Welcome, everyone, to another edition of From the Stands, the Cool Pick Show. On today's episode, we have Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic joining us, where we will chat about baseball, his career, um, also a little bit of involvement uh, with Special Olympics and the tie-in uh, of games that he covered, and uh, so much more. Um, so with further, without any further ado, let's bring Ken on and get things rolling. All right, so Mr. Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic, how are things going today? Things are going okay today, <laughs> pretty much like every other day, uh, like it is for everyone. Yeah. Healthy, get through work, and all that stuff. It's also certainly been busy with everything that we've seen with the MLB lately, with uh, the return to play in July, hopefully, and and we'll we'll talk about that in a, in a few questions. But I, my first question for you is, what led to your passion to become a commentator and a reporter? Well, Ryan, initially, I wanted to be an athlete like everyone else. But people who have seen me on television can take one look at me and understand why that might have been a problem. I'm sure not all that muscular, not all that swift. I basically lack every physical attribute that you would want in an athlete. So in high school, when I stopped making teams, actually I played soccer, but I couldn't make a basketball team. And that was my favorite sport. I decided I should just look at some other things. And I became a manager of the basketball team. And I started writing for the school paper. And that's kind of what led me to this really more than anything. I wasn't certain that I would do sports at first. I was into news reporting too, but when I went to college, the guys who covered sports were cooler guys than the people in news that started hanging out with them, and that's really how I kind of chose it. Okay, that's that's cool. I mean, everyone has a, a unique path, and like you said, everyone wants to become an athlete, um, yeah. and, and it works out for some, it doesn't work out for others, but I mean, you do a fantastic job with what you're doing, so um, at least it led to the right path. Um, you started working with organizations like the Baltimore Sun, Sports Illustrated, and Sporting News before working ultimately for Fox in 2005. What was your experience like working for multiple organizations while trying to make a name for yourself? Well, really, I was working for one main one, and that was the Baltimore Sun. Now, while I was at the Baltimore Sun, I did things on the side for Sports Illustrated, just giving them information, not writing. I did not write for Sports Illustrated. In the sporting news, maybe I would write an article once in a while. I eventually ended up working there. I also did some radio at the time. And basically, at the, that point, I was just trying to provide for my family, to be perfectly honest. Um, one job wasn't really enough. And that was my thought process, just do as much as I could. And also, the experience of all that stuff helped, too. So basically, I was just trying to be as wide-ranging as I could be, I guess, and hope it would lead to better things. Well, I mean, like I said, it certainly did because um, you're now working for The Athletic. What's it like working for The Athletic in your role now and, and being um, the top, like one of the top columnists um, kind of in our day? Well, The Athletic is actually, Ryan, a dream come true. And it's a website dedicated just to the written word no videos, no anything else. And I get my share of TV with the other jobs that I have. I'm a network and Fox, and I greatly enjoy them, of course. But writing is what I did first, and it's really what I consider the most important thing I do, writing and reporting. So what happened was I got 
but I was in a position where I lost the job at Fox because they changed their whole website. They went away from writing, they went to video. So I no longer had a place to write. And then I joined The Athletic, which was a new website at the time. And to see our growth, it's incredible. And the reason it's a dream come true is I'm working with an all-star team, writers, editors. And it's just a joy to be part of that process and collaborate with them and just be part of a team along those lines. And it's been very gratifying. And I hope we just keep it going and succeed. And you never know in our business, but so far, so good. Now, talking about teams and being able to cover and work with such a such amazing um, talents around you, um, we chatted a little bit about the Special Olympics movement. Uh, myself, of course, being a Special Olympics athlete, um, you got to you mentioned that you got to cover the 1999 World Summer Games in Raleigh. What was that experience like for you to be able to cover those games um, compared to like a MLB World Series? Very different, and it was something I really wanted to do. At the time, I was working for the Baltimore Sun, and I had covered, I believe, something locally in Baltimore, maybe a Special Olympics local event. And I thought it was obviously such a great thing to see the athletes performing the way they did, and also just the whole movement was really something inspiring. So I talked the paper into letting me travel to do this, and papers are not loose with travel necessarily, and they understood that this was a unique event, and they allowed me to do it. And what was so unusual about it from my perspective was that you really could not interview most of the athletes. For whatever reason, they were not in that position where they could do that kind of thing. So you had to talk to other people, and you had to watch what the athletes did, and you had to report on it in an entirely different way than I would say at the World Series, which is what you asked. In that case, I just talked to the players, write about what I see, and that's that. But this was different. And it was a challenge in that sense. But I remember each of the stories I wrote, I don't remember them specifically at this point, but I was happy that I took that shot and tried to relate the stories of these amazing people and what they were doing. Because I don't know that the average person out there understands the challenges that some of these athletes faced and just the difficulty and the sheer courage it took to get out there. So it was a very gratifying thing. The only thing that was disappointing to me, honestly, and I can say this now is more than 20 years later, I was disappointed the paper didn't do more with it. I thought it was a big deal. We were one of only three papers in the country covering this. And I thought, well, promote it. Let's go and make sure the stories are prominent on the page. They didn't do that. They didn't act like it was special at all. That bothered me. But, hey, can't win them all. Exactly. And, and – you look at what it is today or what the organization is today to what it was then and how much it's yes. also blown up in those years. And um, we just celebrated special Olympics, sorry, just celebrated the 50th anniversary last year, um, which is a huge uh, accomplishment as well. But uh, I know what you mean because when we're at competitions, like our coaches, like there's been times where some like local reporters come up to like our team or, or the options. And it's like, Hey, can we, can we grab you for a quick second? Like we're going from one place to the other, to the other. And it, it's insanely crazy. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm glad you got to kind of be part of that and, and see um, like my world of sports and what it's like as well. Um, it was very memorable. And the opening ceremony is in Raleigh is where it was, Raleigh, North Carolina. It was just an incredibly moving thing to see all these athletes together. It, it was, again, I remember 21 years ago, I remember quite vividly. 
Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I next time I get to the World Games, if uh, I haven't I haven't been to a World Games yet, but if I do, and they're in uh, the U.S., I'll make sure to somehow get you there and I'll make <laughs> okay. sure you an exclusive interview. We'll get that done. So <laughs> deal, Ryan. That's a deal. Now, a big, remarkable, or recognizable trait of yours uh, is your amazing bow tie collection. We see it all the time. How did that tradition start for you? And how many bow ties do you have in your collection? Well, I would imagine at this point it's about 150 or so. I don't ever count them, but there's a lot of them. Maybe not quite that many. And it's an interesting story, Ryan, because it was not my choice to wear a bow tie. Fox in 2009, I believe, during the playoffs, basically said, we want you to wear a bow tie. We want that piece of apparel to help you stand out. Now, I was actually sort of offended by that because I thought as a reporter, it's your reporting that should make you stand out, not the way you look. But I didn't necessarily understand television as much as some of the people that were telling me these things. So I wore it in those playoffs. And then I figured, okay, that was it. They won't ask me to do that again. It's over. But that winter, I was approached by a man named Dahani Jones. And he's a former NFL player for the Eagles, I think the Giants, maybe some other teams. And he has this nonprofit called the Bowtie Cause. And what it is, is a nonprofit that partners with organizations and charities to raise awareness and also raise a little bit of money. It's more to raise awareness because people generally don't buy bow ties. So he came to me with this. And at first I was resistant because I thought, I, I don't want to wear those bow ties. I don't like them. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, well, you know what? Fox is probably going to make me do this again on second thought and might as well get ahead of it and get ahead of it in a way that will benefit all these organizations and charities. And that was how it started. And this was many years ago. And now, of course, it is what Fox intended it to be, something that people recognize me for. And I think with the different awareness that we've raised, it's had a positive contribution. I don't know to what extent that contribution we could measure, but I would say that from that perspective, it's worked out really well. That's incredible. Yeah, because uh, I know a few years ago, actually five years ago now, back when uh, Toronto, uh, or sorry, the Blue Jays were in the playoffs, uh, I got the pleasure of meeting you in person. And I commented being like, yo, this is a hype looking bow tie. And like some of them, uh, some of them are really good, man. It's awesome. So uh, it's a unique- Some are not so good either. <laughs> my <laughs> wife, My wife actually matches all my clothes. I'm colorblind. I can't get out of the house unless she takes care of me. So there are some that she doesn't really care for. And she'll say, Hey, I don't like this one. I'm like, well, that's too bad. That's this one's bow tie. We got to wear it. <laughs> now in 2015 and 2016, you won the sports Emmy award for most outstanding sports uh, reporter for your work that you did with Fox sports and MLB network. How was it for you to be recognized with such a distinguished award? It was quite gratifying because television early on was really a struggle for me and I wasn't that good at it. And it took a long time to even get to the point where I thought I was semi-professional at it. So to win those awards, they meant a lot more than maybe they normally might have. I'm not someone who puts a lot of stock in awards. They're subjective. They're based on a person's opinion or a group's opinion. And maybe other people would have a different opinion. And to me, always with sports Emmys, it's just nice to be nominated because you're looked at as part of a group of people that's doing it at a really high level. To win, all the better. 
but from where I came from in television to where I got to that point where I could actually even be nominated for the, one of those awards, that to me was, is amazing in itself. So those awards were very gratifying to win for sure. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely deserve it, as do everyone else that gets nominated for the awards, but more so, I mean, like, I follow you on, on social media, and it's always great to see all the reporting you do, and I've read some of the articles, and it's just a job well done, sir, so kudos Thank to you for that. Um, now, let's talk about the MLB a little bit for this season. I know we could talk hours and days on it, but what's yeah. it been like uh, with everything been happening right now with the return to play and what the feeling's been like and, and everything around that? It's a little weird, honestly, because no one knows how this is going to play out. And there's a lot of concern about how it's going to play out, whether it will actually work, whether this sport can be played during a pandemic. And we've seen a number of players now opt out and not choose to play this year because of whatever concerns they might have. So that adds a lot of uncertainty. Normally we have a six-month season. We know where everybody's going to be every day, and it just plays out. This is different. We don't know how it's going to play out. We don't know if there are going to be adjustments along the way. We don't know if even the season will start or finish. So that makes it a lot different than obviously a normal season. Yeah, it's it's going to be a unique circumstance to say the least. I know, like obviously being from uh, just east of Toronto, the Blue Jays are my my hometown, and just seeing like the stuff that they're talking about, of, like okay, are we going to use the Rogers Center as as a spring training facility now, or are they going to be kept down in Florida? And it's just I'm sure that every team's kind of sufficing to that and figuring out ways of what's going to happen. So uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see if we have ball to and to what degree we're going to have that in. Yeah, and that is the big talking point within the sport right now. How is this going to work? And we don't know if it's going to work, frankly. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I do believe they have to try. And I know a lot of folks say, just shut it down, stop it. It's not necessary right now. Well, it's never necessary. But there is a certain distraction sports can provide. And that would be, I would say, helpful to people or certain people. now. Purely from a business perspective, no sport wants to go dark for 18 months. Remember, they haven't played a game since October. If they didn't play till the following April, it's about 18 months. Mm -hmm. So from a business perspective, I totally understand why they want to play. Um, this is a $10 billion industry. People want their money. But at the same time, there is going to be a health risk for certain people. And that's the balance that is so hard to strike right now. And it's something that a lot of people, frankly, including myself, are struggling with trying to figure out, well, is this really the right thing to do? I think it's worth a shot. We'll see if it proves to be okay. Definitely. Now I have just uh, two more questions for you. Out of the stadiums that you've been to, because you've traveled uh, pretty much, I think, to almost every stadium, what's been your top stadium to be able to report from? To report from simply as a, a working person or yeah. just the way I like the stadium? Uh, let's go both. So from a okay, perspective okay. and from being a fan. I would say my favorite ballpark is still Camden Yards. And I worked in Baltimore for many years, so I'm biased toward it. I think it's beautiful. I put it in a separate category than Fenway and Wrigley, which are these old classic parks that are just amazing unto themselves. Favorite place to work from a television perspective? It's a good question. 
Yankee Stadium is pretty good. Uh, and there are a number of them that are fine. But when you're talking about press boxes from a writing standpoint, uh, the San Francisco Stadium has a beautiful press box. The location is beautiful. Camden Yards as well. Houston is still good. Uh, there are a number of them. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Um, one thing that's uh, definitely on my bucket list is to eventually hit up all baseball stadiums. I mean, I've been obviously to Toronto, Pittsburgh, uh, Cleveland, and Detroit. Um, some good ones. So, yeah, so some, some local ones. And I have to say that Pittsburgh's definitely been my top one so yeah. far. Um, Pittsburgh it, is beautiful, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. Now, my last question for you is, uh, for those watching or that may be watching this, um, what, is, what would be your advice um, to young reporters or those that want to get into sports, into journalism, reporting to some degree? What kind of words of wisdom would you like to share with those individuals? Right, I get asked this a lot. And it's actually a really difficult question to answer because the job market's incredibly tight when there's not a pandemic. And now with the pandemic, people have lost jobs. It becomes even that much more difficult. What I generally tell young people is try to hook on somewhere where you can get professional experience. And even if it's at a TV network, but you want to be a writer, but you can somehow get in there and just see how things work. Or the opposite as well. If you're a TV person and you somehow can get a writing, into a writing situation, I'm speaking really generally here, I know. But my point is, any professional experience at all, that gets you a feel for what it is. And I'm not talking about blogging. I'm not talking about sitting there at home and doing this on your own and writing your opinions. I'm talking about learning how to report learning how to put a story together, and going about it that way. It's a different animal. And it's diff difficult business because it is so small in many ways. There aren't that many jobs. But I always tell people, if you have passion and you want to pursue that passion, who am I or anyone else to stop you? There were people who tried to stop me, and they weren't right. You don't stop somebody from doing that. So... I would say stay open-minded, stay flexible, but at the same time, be realistic. If it doesn't work, you do something else. Words of wisdom from the great Ken Rosenthal. Thank you so much, sir, for taking the time to chat with me today uh, and being on the show. And uh, yeah, like I said, we hope to see you uh, at stadiums uh, in the future and hopefully again one day in Toronto as well. Thank you, Ryan. Take care now. You too. Bye-bye.